Welcome into the All Things Bama podcast powered by BamaCentral.com, your Sports Illustrated home for all Alabama Crimson Tide news and information. I'm your host, Tyler Martin, and I'm joined by Joey Blackwell, one of our beat writers for BamaCentral.com, here to dive into a fall camp preview. It is Friday, August 6th. Alabama takes the practice field for the first time of the fall this afternoon. It's exciting. Football's in the air, Joey. Uh, you just kind of get the sense, man, that that you know that this team obviously they've got to replace a lot of key contributors from 2020. But you just get the sense, man, that hey, you know, football's in the air, and that there's a special group, especially with all the incoming talent that Alabama has, and, and that you know Alabama is obviously one of the favorites to make the college football playoff and win it all again. Um, but like I said, you just get the feeling that hey, this group can do special things, um, you know, given the returning talent on defense and all the incoming talent on offense. Yeah, football's in the air here in Tuscaloosa. You know, got to see Nick Saban in person yesterday, you know, for the first time in quite a while outside of SC Media Days, of course. And um, it's 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 really starting to shape up. You know, the season is underway. You know, now we're less than a month from Alabama's kickoff in Atlanta against Miami. And uh, the weather is sure still hot as heck, so it doesn't feel like fall, but the feel of football's in the air and really excited to get back out there and, and be there in person and meet and see all these players in person, you know, in stark contrast to last year. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And I want to get into really a lot of questions around fall camp, you know, some position battles, things like that. Let's start with, with maybe the, let's start with the offense and maybe the most important position on the offensive line as of right now, uh, in terms of, we don't know who's going to get the start there. We know Evan Neal's left tackle. Nick Saban revealed last month that Javion Cohen would like to start at left guard. Chris Owens at center, Neil Ekior at right guard. So, boom, you've got three experienced guys already there, and then you've got a rising sophomore in Javion Cohen, who, who, who actually shined, you know, last year as a freshman. And now right tackle. Will it be Kendall Randolph? Will it be Damian George? Or what about the two freshmen, J.C. Latham and Tommy mm-hmm. Brockemeyer? I'll tell you what right now, Joey. Um, I think Kendall Randolph might be the guy going into fall camp, um, and it could be Damian George by the time it's all said and done. But I think J.C. Latham is is going to make an impact on this offensive line in key situations this year. I just think he's so talented. You know, his physical frame is so elite. How can you keep him off the field? Um, and Tommy Brockermeyer could end up making a making a play too in, in that in that group. But um, I think right now, you know, something in the offseason we talked about when you lose Landon Dickerson, you lose Alex Leatherwood, you lose a couple pieces. You're just thinking, okay, how do you rebuild? Um, and it's like, okay, well, Chris Owens coming back helps, right, for a sixth year. Um, Evan Neal moving from right to left is huge. Um, but this offensive line, it's going to be tough at first finding the best five. <clears throat> the games against Miami and Florida in those first two of the three weeks of the season. Um, but I think now you're kind of going into fall camp thinking, okay, this could be more of a strength than what we originally thought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, going into the season, you know, when you lose, I mean, you said it yourself, when you lose Landon Dickerson, Alex Leatherwood, and Deontay Brown, you, you know, you have three big holes that need to be filled. You know, this offensive line won the <clears throat> Joe Moore Award last year. You had the Outland Trophy winners um, on this on there, and um, definitely have you would think that they'd have a lot of regrouping to do this year. But they're bringing still bringing back a lot of talent. You know, they're bringing back. Uh, Evan Neal, and you like your Chris Owens, you know, they're bringing back experience, JV on Cohen, <clears throat> but you know, there is that, that right guard position. And so I'm sorry, right tackle position. So I think, you know, Kendall Randolph of everybody that's coming back has the most experience to fill that position. I think we could see him starting day one there, 
But at the same time, I, I think that as the season goes on, you could see a, a big guy like Damian George take over that position or J.C. Latham. Um, my money is by the middle of the season, we'll see Damian George and J.C. Latham in a rotation at that right tackle position. I think they're going to um, primarily utilize Kendall Randolph as a blocking tight end, as we have you know, saw him do a lot last year. He had six starts at the tight end position. Um, so I do think we're going to see more of Damian George and Jace Latham there. And that's not that's not um, me slandering Tommy Brockermeyer. Tommy Brockermeyer, of course, is a fantastic t- um, offensive lineman, <clears throat> no doubt about it. But I think that with the size of George and Latham, I think we could definitely see them in rotation. But my money's on Latham being the starter by the middle of the season. Yeah, like I said, there's just a lot of uh, players right now who are young and inexper- inexperienced that just have so much talent. You just can't keep off the field. Another one of those guys being Kool-Aid McKinstry. Okay, you look at the corner position. Uh, Alabama lost Pastor Tain from last season, Joey, but they get Josh Joe back for another year. He comes back as a senior. You have Jalen Armour Davis, who really had a great spring. Um, you, you would think at the beginning of the year he would man that. But then, you know, depending on which which package, you know, nickel, dime, uh, you know, uh, however many defensive backs Alabama is going to throw out there. And even when you play a team like Mississippi State, we saw Alabama um, go to six defensive backs, seven at times. You know, they have so many receivers and, and running backs to cover when you play teams like that. And the way college football is evolving, there's just a need for so many of them on the field um, that Kool-Aid McKinstry is going to play a factor as well um, as a true freshman. Yeah, and don't forget, you know, just while we're while we're dropping names, let's not forget about Malachi Moore or uh, or Jordan Battle as well in the defensive backs. So this team, you know, said it once, and I'll say it again: this defense is absolutely stacked at every position this year. And being able to add new talent like Kool Aid McKinstry is just going to take it over the top. Um, I think McKinstry will be competing <clears throat> early on for a starting position, even with all of the talent that they have in you know, in defensive backs this year. Um, of course, obviously very impressive. You know, we saw him yesterday win the high school male athlete of the year um, from USA Today. Um, they announced that live on TV, and that was a big moment for him. And, you know, just goes to show all of his progress he's made <clears throat> and the impact he made as a high school player. You know, and, and Alabama fans are excited to have him on the team this year. And But there is that depth. So even if we don't see him start, he's definitely a second teamer. Um, he will be used a lot this season, rotating in and out. Um, but it, he's, it's a very similar situation to right tackle in that I could definitely see him starting by the middle of the season. But with Alabama, you always you always want experienced players in there. And so to start up the year, you might not have <clears throat> an experienced player there. And that's because, you know, to play a huge team like Miami. But McKinstry will absolutely see a lot of playing time this year. Yeah, and, you know, mentioned, you know, uh, that 2021 class, Kadarius Callaway, you know, he's moving off to East Mississippi Community College. And, and from just what Buddy Stevens said, it appears, you know, that he's going to try to find a way back to the Crimson Tide, um, you know, kind of develop. Because Kadarius Callaway, you know, nobody really knew what – I mean, yes, he was being recruited as a defensive back for Alabama, but you, you didn't know what kind of fit he was. If he was an offensive guy, could he be a receiver? Could he stay at safety? um could you know he, he the fit was the biggest issue and um I had heard you know fit grades it was a mixture of different things but but he's playing at East Mississippi Community College now um and and obviously you know Alabama will will open up their doors back to him if everything goes well because Alabama's done this in the past for different players um and the good news is Joey's is Alabama is really deep at that position at safety where Alabama wanted him to play um you mentioned Malachi Moore you mentioned Jordan Battle. 
Um, so Alabama is really, really deep there. Um, so it is a loss, but it's not necessarily, you know, a great loss per se, um, even as a true, even, you know, even though he was just a true freshman. Uh, but yeah, for me, Kool-Aid McKinstry is one of those guys, you know, who shined in A-Day, shined all spring. And I don't know if you saw the video, but um, they did the Lake Day of the 2021 recruiting class, Joey. And uh, Saban, you know, he's out there driving the boat. They're doing, you know, the wakeboarding, things like that with the tubing. And he's like, I want Kool-Aid on my boat. You know, Saban kept saying that. And you can, I don't know, you can just tell. Saban does, uh, Saban certainly has favorites. And I think Kool-Aid is one of those players. <laughs> Well, Kool-Aid has such a bubbly personality about him. You know, you, he's the type of guy that you always want with you at the party, you know. And, I mean, for, for Pete's sake, his name is Kool-Aid. And the fact that they even have him listed as Kool-Aid on the roster is, is something else. And, obviously, we all know his first name is Quincy, But having listed as Kool-Aid on the, on the official AlabamaRollTide.com roster is something else. And, you know, he's like I said, he's the life of the party. You want him around you. You want him on your side. And, um, you, you're definitely seeing that being, being an impact with Saban. <laughs> I haven't personally watched the video. I need to go back and watch it. Um, that's something always fun that they do every year uh, prior to fall camp. But um, <laughs> that's making me laugh. And it brings, takes me, gives me flashbacks to when uh, Tua was on the boat and they ran out of gas. That's one of the, my favorite off-the-field moments from Alabama in recent memory. And uh, it's now you're making me want to go watch the video now. <laughs> yeah, Stephen was just like, I want Kool-Aid on my boat. I, I want Kool-Aid uh, with me. And um, no, it's it was funny. Um, Kool-Aid just one of those guys, like I mentioned, who has just so much talent. You're just not going to be able to keep him off the field, um, in my opinion, because he's so athletic. He's so gifted, got really great ball skills. Um, he's very finesse, very technical. He's not so much physical. Um, now he's put on some weight, put on some muscle since being a part of the program but he's much more of a finesse guy. He's not like a pastor Tain where he's just going to jam you at the line um, and really do that. He's just, man, he can just, he can just outmaneuver you with his mind and with his technical skills. Um, and that's why, you know, he's such a valued uh, commodity and a valued prize recruit for Alabama last year. Um, moving on to the defense or staying on the offense, Joe, let's hit on the wide receivers. You know, people got mad at me. And I talked about this on the radio a couple of days ago in Tuscaloosa. People got mad at me when I wrote a story. This is the SC Media Days. And I saw some, some of our Facebook comments, and take that with what you will. But I mentioned in the headline that, you know, John Mechie is the only proven guy. Everybody else is unproven. And everybody's coming at me saying, oh, man, what about Slade Bolden? What about some other guy? I'm like, okay, Slade Bolden's a nice piece. He's a nice gadget guy. He did, he did have some fumble issues last year. I think Slade Bolden can really turn into a key contributor this year. But he's not as proven as John Mechie is right now. And when you consider the fact that you lost Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs from two seasons ago, then you lose Devontae Smith, you lose Jalen Waddell, your veteran now is John Mechie and Slade Bolden. Slade Bolden, yeah, yeah, he got some action right when, when Waddle went down. But more so, John Mechie filled that role. I, I'm not completely sold on Bolden, as a lot of people are. And that's why I think Alabama realized in the transfer portal they can go out and get a guy like Jamison Williams. Um, they can go out and, and, you know, get some speed to this offense, which they missed losing four first-round draft picks in the last two years. Um, you've got talented receivers coming in as freshmen. Ajay Hall, who delivered in the A-Day game, he's got a, such a big catch radius. Um, he displayed that. I mean, anything that was coming near him, he, you know, he, he showed off the toe-tap ability on the sideline. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks and Christian Leary, they were out of the A-Day game. They had a good spring stuff, but they were out. JoJo Earl was a late enrollee. <laughs> He's another speed guy, another gadget guy they can use in the special teams game. Um, so Alabama's got some unproven guys at that position. 
I think Jamison Williams, though, to me, is going to be really the breakout player of this position group, in my opinion. We know what John Metchie can do. We know John Metchie's got first-round talent. I just think when you look at breakout players in this room, I'm going with Jamison Williams. Yeah, I mean, of course, Jamison was initially recruited by Alabama in 2019. Saban clearly believes that he could, he belonged on his on his team. You know, at Ohio State, he caught nine passes for 154 yards, two touchdowns last year, but he wasn't sure of his role moving forward uh, with Ohio State inside head here. One uh, one thing that he does bring to the Alabama's offense is speed, and that is something that they've been kind of missing. <clears throat> from the wide receiver core with Devontae Smith and more specifically Jalen Waddle gone. Um, and I, he does bring that speed element to this wide receiver core. But you're absolutely right when it comes to John Mechie. He is the only proven wide receiver um, on this team. And that's not a, that's not taking away from Slade Bolden at all. Slade Bolden hasn't had as much playing time. I mean, when you've been on the Alabama team that had Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy two years ago, and then you had – Jalen Waddle, John Mechie, and Devontae Smith last year, you're not going to see a lot of playing time. And now that and now it's time for Slate Bolden to step up into that role, and it's his to lose at this point. Um, but, you know, one of the, my big freshmen to highlight heading into this season is Ajie Hall. You know, he had a fantastic A-day, a, a really great spring practice. Um, I think he will be right in there in the mix um, at wide receiver <clears throat> and uh, really impressed with what he's done and looking forward to seeing him in fall camp today. Definitely one of the players I'm going to be looking out for to see what type of reps he's getting in fall camp over the next few weeks before the season, see if he is competing for a starting job. Will he be a day one starter? I'm not quite sure yet. We'll, we'll guess we'll find that, that answer out in a month, but um, he does certainly has the, the pedigree to do so. Yeah, I think your three receivers going into fall camp on Friday afternoon is John Mechie, Slade Bolden, Jamison Williams. Those are, those are your three. And another guy we can't forget is Javon Baker. Um, mm. This is a kid that was that was very, very, very heavily recruited by Alabama out of high school, out of McEachern in the Atlanta area um, two years ago. He, he got very limited playing time last year um, because of the depth of the position. But he's a guy who I had heard had, you know, fantastic spring. I heard a lot of rave reviews. Um, so he's a guy that I've got my eye on. Treshawn Holden as well. Um, Tyee Jones-Bell. Treshawn Holden. Um, could also factor into that starting mix, given a guy who's got, you know, some some big size and a guy who, with Bill O'Brien's system, I, I think what we're going to see is, yes, everything will still be out of it and the schemes will still be the same. But I think the difference will be, Joey, that we're going to see with Bryce Young, we're going to go toward, okay, RPOs. We're going to see if Bryce Young can get the ball out of his hands quicker uh, because, he, because he has the ability, okay, to take off with the ball as well. Um, there will be some designed runs. I think the majority of his rushing yards will come from when the play breaks down and just his ability to extend the play and keep it going. Um, but obviously, Bryce Young is not Mac Jones. He's not just going to sit back there and throw the football, right, and be a pocket mm. passer. Um, so I think, I think we're going to see more RPOs. I think we're going to see um, Bryce really get it out to his receivers quick. And it helps when you have a bigger receiver like Javon Baker, like Treshawn Holden, who have that big catch radius, can bring it in um, and get you some extra yards after the catch as well with their big body. So – um, those are some kind of guys at that position I'm keeping in with. Running back, I have, I, you know, Brian Robinson's the guy. And I think it's going to be really just a committee for the most part because I, I really like Jason McClellan. I really like Roy Dell Williams. Those two, both of those guys can catch the ball as well because I think what we're going to see is Alabama's going to have to, because, because there's the thing. When I did the scouting report for us on, on Brian Robinson, you go back and look at some of the tape and you look at his numbers through four seasons, Brian Robinson. You know, he's not a pass-catching back. He only has 17 catches in four years. 
Um, and a lot of those were with his body. Um, his hands aren't great, but where Brian Robinson's valuable is he's going to be great in those short yarded situations. He's going to have the down, he's going to get moving downhill. He gets north to south really, really well. My only concern is the lateral cuts east to west and the, and the passing. Because the thing is, what we saw from Najee Harris, and Najee Harris continues to do this with the Steelers, even now, is like people are still amazed by his ability to catch the ball to backfield. And we saw in that SEC championship game, Joe, you could line him up in the slot, you could line him up anywhere on the field. He's going to make a play. You can't do that with Brian Robinson. He's, he's, just, he's just not that kind of guy, and he shouldn't be asked to do that. Brian Robinson's got a role, and I think he's going to perform to it really, really well. Um, I just think when you're going to factor in Trey Sanders and the two other running backs I mentioned, Kamar Wheaton potentially, you're just going to need um, some running backs like, like a TJ Yeldon who are going to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield um, and get you some certain plays on maybe some third and longs, uh, maybe some screen plays uh, you know, that, that you foresee coming when Alabama gets into situations. But certainly, um, for the most part, I think Brian Robinson is going to be that red zone back. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be a he's gonna be stealing a lot of touchdowns this year. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, I think I think you're absolutely right when it comes to the running backs being used in a committee, which is something that Robinson is used to. But Ryan, Robinson will edge them out in playing time this year. Um, we're very impressed with what he's able to do. You know, also impressed with what Jason McClellan was able to do a little bit last season uh, in in some garbage time situations, but. Um, Brian Robinson, I and mean, it's his starting job to lose. I mean, he's 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 kind of it's kind of a Bryce Young situation where it's it's a given that he's going to be the starter because he brings back so much experience. One of my questions is is how is how is Trey Sanders recovering from his uh, unfortunate car accident last year? I mean, obviously he's not going to be a starter. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about will we see him on the field this year? You know, Trey Sanders was was highly touted heading into into. Um, his time at Alabama and unfortunately he's had to deal with injuries pretty much since he arrived in Tuscaloosa. So I'd really like to see him perform on the field this year, even if it is in a super limited capacity. Um, that's one of my questions is how much will we see of him? Cause he has way too much talent that if he is healthy to just leave on the bench and not using a rotation. Um, and then with true freshmen at running backs, you have Kamar Wheaton coming in um, who's highly touted out of high school. So, you know, and just another deep position, you know, we talk about how, Oh, well, you know, Alabama is not very deep at quarterback this year because you have Bryce Young and there's a drop off. And, you know, there are some questions on the offensive line, but there's so many position groups at Alabama that are so deep this year. When you take a step back and look at their defensive backs, their wide receivers, their linebackers, and that, and also their running backs. And um, this is just, you know, just, Alabama this is a deeper this is a, one of the deepest teams we've seen in quite some time do they have some question marks absolutely um but they're set at every position if if one man goes down there's another man right behind him to step up yeah and with running backs you know I saw somebody did their top five or whatever um from ESPN and they had the Alabama running game at like four um mm. I just I think that's pretty low actually I think Alabama's either two or three um but you know I think they're definitely I actually would say they're probably number two behind Texas A&M um, just because you have Texas A&M, you have Isaiah Spiller and Nia Smith. You've got two proven guys. Um, but I think Alabama, you know, it's, it's, they're going to run the ball more this year, I think. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think when we look back at it, we're going to say, okay, this offense is going to have, you know, um, a, lar a large majority of its success, I think, is going to come on the ground. And will Brian Robinson be a 1,000-yard rusher? I, I don't know. But if he can give you, you know, 800 yards, if Jace McClellan can give you 700, right, and maybe Roy, you know, this could be a committee-type deal. Um, I just I just think Alabama is really primed um, to, to, to get this running game back going. 
um, you know, what we're kind of seeing in the past. Because look at the left side of the offensive line, Joey. Evan Neal, Javion Cohen, Chris Owens. Uh, that That's a pretty stout three to be running behind. Um, and I think with Bill O'Brien's system, I think we're we're going to see a lot of a lot of Brian Robinson getting downhill and getting in between those uh, those those tackles and those those hash marks for sure. Let's talk. We mentioned Jamison Williams. Let's talk about the defense side of the ball. The transfer they brought in Henry Toa Toa. Um, from what Nick Sa- from what I gathered from what Nick Saban said, and what you kind of hear is is that Henry Toa Toa is going to kind of replace Dylan Moses as the play caller on the defense side of the ball. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, that makes sense. I mean, that's the role he served when he was in Knoxville. Um, he, he was a signal caller. Of course, he led them tackles by each of the last two seasons. So he's got that SEC experience. I think it's a great call. Um, I, I think he would do well there. Um, uh, I mean, those are my just knee-jerk reactions to it. I, I'm not exactly sure what your opinions are, but I think he'll do a great job if he is a signal caller. That was Dylan Moses' primary function there with his experience, and I think Tua Tua can do the same. Yeah, and it helps when you have Jeremy Pruitt as your coach because the system is very similar to Nick Saban. That's where Jeremy went. Um, So that helps as well. Um, Henry, you know, a very smart player. Saban raved about him. And that's the thing. That's what I – these two transfers, Jamison Williams, Henry Toa they could potentially be two of the most key players on this team this year, I I think. You know, and from hearing Nick Saban and hearing John Mechie talk about Jamison and hearing um, some other guys talk about Henry Toa it's like, man – they're raving about these guys, right? They're, they're heaping a lot of praise on these guys. So the expectation level is pretty high from the fan base. Um, and I think they're going to slide in and do it, do a great job. Um, and like I said, at the end of the day, who would have thought, you know, coming off that 2020 season um, before Alabama even got these two guys, where they were in the trench portal, that two transfers would be sitting here saying are going to be the key, you know, pieces to maybe another championship run in 2021, right? Because they didn't get Jameson Williams until May. Um, they didn't get uh, Henry Toto until almost June. Um, so it's just amazing how the transfer portal has kind of reshaped roster uh, management and roster development. And we knew that going in, you know, as soon as the transfer portal and immediate eligibility were both announced, you know, we knew that this was going to impact the game. You know, you're not, you're no longer seeing, at, you know, 80% of transfers be JUCO transfers coming to, to big programs. You're now seeing these high profile players transfer from, from big schools. You know, you're, you're thinking of like the JT Daniels transfer over to Georgia or, um, you know, Henry Tuoto to Alabama or Jameson Williams. You know, all three came from juggernaut power five programs and they're now joined juggernaut power five programs. So um, it's definitely changed the face of the game. And then on top of that, you know, the landscape of college football has just changed so much over the past 18 months. You know, now you have the NIL and um, and just and it's not just in football it's across the board you know look at basketball um nate oates uh with the basketball team has proven the benefits of the of the transfer portal and that immediate eligibility they had a little bit of problems with javon quinterly but other than that you know now that immediate eligibility is around you know you don't have to worry about issues like that anymore so um and alabama as always and nick saban they're always ahead of the curve you know as soon as that was announced it was pretty well assumed by the alabama fan base that well just another thing that Alabama's going to take advantage of before everybody else catches up, and that's exactly what they've done. Uh, Joey, two more questions before we wrap this up, our full fall camp preview. We kind of hit on some freshmen already, but who is the one true freshman that you think has the biggest season in 2021? 
Ooh, um, I honestly think it's, you know, we, we've already talked about him. I think it's going to be Kool-Aid McKinstry. I, I think he, you know, I think he's going to be a second team to start the season, but I think as the season goes on, we could see him, you know, being rotated into that, into a dime defense and seeing him a lot more. Um, and that's, that wouldn't surprise me at all. He, he's way too talented to not see playing time. Um, if I were to point to one true freshman, that would probably be my guy. Yeah, I'm actually going to throw you a curveball here. I'm going to say Dallas Turner, the edge rusher mm. um, from, from Fort Lauderdale. The reason I say Dallas Turner is um, seeing kind of his rise um, and just how much he dominated uh, down there in the sunshine shade. I mean, he was unbelievable and double-digit sacks almost every single year. Um, and, and, you know, Alabama's – they've got a plethora this year at rushers, right? Will Anderson, Christopher Allen, uh, Chris Braswell, and some other pieces on there too. But I think on third downs, and I think some other situations, I think Dallas Turner is going to find a role, a rotational role, and I think he'll thrive in that. I think a lot of people are going to watch Alabama this year on defense, and they're going to say, who's that guy? You know, who, who is uh, you know, who, who, who is this guy stepping up making a play in the backfield? Is that what is that 31? No, that's not what that's Dallas Turner. Um, so I, I think, you know, I think Dallas Turner is going to carve out a role. Um, and I think he's going to play a key, key part in this. Um, because it happens every year. You know, he was a late enrollee, but just like Will Anderson last year, who was a, who was a late enrollee, there's always one guy who arrives in the summer and ends up making headway in fall camp. And I think this year, Dallas Turner is going to be an impact guy in certain situations. Lastly, Joey, COVID, uh, we, we got to talk about this to some degree because, we yes, it is a normal season, and I, I think it will end up being a normal season. Nick Saban said at the his media availability yesterday that you were at that, you know, they are going to keep the same protocols. They are going to, you know, kind of keep things similar to last year. Do you foresee any cancellations or, or maybe any limitations to capacity? Because even Saban said on SC Media Days, you know, he's like, we have 90% vaccinated. And then now that number, from what I hear, has already moved up to like 95. So mm -hmm. to me, it's, and you know, if they're still wearing masks, if they're still being tested, it's like, Part of me is saying, okay, there's got to be a benefit to being vaccinated, right? Like, mm -hmm. do, we, do we need to stop va testing vaccinated players? Do we need to stop, stop testing players who are vaccinated and aren't showing symptoms? Because there's got to be a benefit to getting the vaccine for the players. Um, because I know it wasn't fun going through that. Yes, they won a championship. Yes, they overcame a lot. But how similar is it going to be in terms of what we saw last year? I think it's going to be, and this is, you know, this is a cop out. I think it's going to be similar, but but very different. I, I think, you know, this past week, the NCAA released its list of considerations for conference officials and and for, as well as for individual programs. The NCAA isn't really enacting any wide sweeping legislation this year for COVID nineteen because they they recognize, at least as of right now, because they recognize that for each individual school, the COVID-19 is different in their area. You know, there's a higher or lower concentration of cases. Um, you know, Alabama, of course, announced with Nick Saban yesterday, like you noted, that for the for the first first for these next six weeks, they're um, handling all their protocols and procedures the same way that they did last season. So um, for us in the media, that meant that we're not having in-person uh, media availabilities anymore, for example. You know, we're all those are going back to Zoom and hopefully we'll be able to be back with them in person. Um, later this, you know, maybe as the season rolls on, but 
um, as far as the other considerations given by the NCAA, you know, part of those was if a player has been vaccinated, he doesn't need to go undergo daily or, or weekly testing. The only time vaccinated players need to undergo testing is all is if they have symptoms. Now for unvaccinated players, that's a different story. Um, I believe that there was a minimum of um, three, three tests a week um, if, for one certain test and then one test a week for a different sort of test. I believe there's also pregame testing um, for unvaccinated players. Um, the masking and social distancing rules still apply um, for um, both um, vaccinated and unvaccinated players. Now, vaccinated players don't have to um, wear masks at any time um, during competition, but unvaccinated players will have to wear masks uh, when they are in close contact, aside from, aside from when they're on the field playing, of course. Um, so, you know, I, I think as far as stadium capacities go, you know, you know, Saban doubled down yesterday that he expects us to be at full capacity this year in Bryant-Denny Stadium, and I believe that we still will be. You know, Greg Bird and, and Greg Sankey have both reiterated that they want to see the SEC at full capacity this year. I think we're going to get that, but whether we're going to make it completely through the season like that, that remains to be another question. I think the SEC and the NCAA and, of course, Alabama are all very closely monitoring the situation, and um, should the Delta variant, which is the current issue, um, continue to spread. I know right now it's down in Baldwin County. It's tearing up the southern part of the state right now. So we'll have to see if it actually makes its way up here. But um, the majority of cases, though, right now, you know, are are in unvaccinated people, even with the Delta variant. Um, I was reading some numbers yesterday that somewhere in the 90% range in the state of Alabama, people that currently have COVID-19 are unvaccinated. Uh, but at the same time, I read that in the city of Tuscaloosa, you know, while Alabama football might be 95% vaccinated, the city of Tuscaloosa as a whole is only 31% vaccinated. So you have to take that into consideration. We have all of these players. Yes, they're being very safe when they're um, on campus, when they're in practice. Um, but at the same time, when they're not in camp, on campus or in practice, and if they're not vaccinated, there is still that risk of contracting it from someone that isn't vaccinated. So. You know, I so to you know to come full circle. I think that we're going to see a lot of um, you know tight restrictions be loosened this year. I think we're going to see it be much more normal than last year. But I think it also heavily depends um, on how things play out over the next six months, not just in college football but across the country and in the whole pandemic scope. I think that's heavily going to impact how things happen, um, and hopefully we'll make it through a full season. Um, I think. I think we'll still, by the end of the year, we will have some cancellations. Now, whether it's Alabama, Alabama's cancellations, I don't see Alabama canceling anything. I see them just taking players off the field and then keep playing, um, especially with such a high vaccination rate. But I think we will see some cancellations across the board. And Greg Sankey reiterated at SEC Media Days, they're not, they're not postponing games this year. They're canceling them. Um, the, the, you know, these teams have had long enough to get the vaccine and it's been readily available that to Greg Sankey, there is no excuse for having games canceled. So, and that makes a lot of sense when you look at it in context. Um, so hopefully all the full season, obviously don't want to, want to see any games canceled because of a virus. Um, but look, really looking forward to seeing how it plays out. Nick Saban going into year 15, Joey, can you believe that? Seems like he just got here yesterday, but it also seems like he's always been there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's crazy, man. Alabama kicking off spring practice Friday afternoon. Or I keep saying spring, fall practice 
don't know why I keep saying spring. Uh, fall practice <laughs> Friday afternoon, man. Um, 20 practices, man, leading up to Miami and Atlanta. It's going to be a fun time. Thank you for your coverage. Thanks for being part of the All Things Memory Podcast. Thanks, Tyler, for having me. Really appreciate it. Awesome. That was Joey Blackwell. I'm Tyler Martin. Thanks again for listening to the show. Uh, please feel free to like, rate, and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. We really appreciate it. And make sure to check out everything you need to know about all Alabama sports on BamaCentral.com. Thank you for listening.